Welcome back to episode number 117 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and entries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're doing a replay from a recent Dust Safety Academy session, in which we had Tim Hennix on from DustCon Solutions giving an Ask Me Anything about NFPA 652, Chapter 8 on Management Systems. So this chapter in NFPA 652 contains actually a lot of information. So most of NFPA 62 would be dedicated to hazard identification, combustible dust testing, hazard analysis. Now we have these later chapters that are talking about management systems, things like management of change, training, contractor requirements, and training there, inspection systems, maintenance systems, and more. And because it's such a big piece of combustible dust safety, but connects into such a small chapter in NFPA 652, we really thought it was a great idea to bring on Tim into the Dust Safety Academy to talk about this session. That's the replay we're going to be showing today on the podcast. If you're not already familiar, you can access the Dust Safety Academy if you go to dustsafetyacademy.com. We do these type of trainings every two weeks, switching between Ask Me Anything sessions and online training sessions. Examples of recent training that we've done inside the Academy include using bow tie analysis, to assess combustible dust hazards and controls with Kaylee Rayner-Brown of Dalhousie University, a four-question framework to know how to protect your dust collector with Burke DeSatel from IEP Technologies, and integrating fire and life safety into your combustible dust program with Mark Hodap from Fire and Risk Alliance. We also do a lot of these Ask Me Anything sessions like the one you'll hear today covering a range of topics from dust collection to different facilities like woodworking facilities, hazard monitoring, and combustible dust testing, We've done these all inside the Dust Safety Academy. So in today's session, we're going to be going through the first half of this Ask Me Anything. We're going to be covering things like what are the different elements of NFPA 652 Chapter 8 on management systems, the question of whether or not management systems are generally included in a DHA, what are the elements that Tim sees missing quite often, how to get started with things like management of change, and how to get started on documenting your management change program, and at what point you might want to bring in external help to get you up and running with your management systems. We're going to be covering all that in this first half of the Ask Me Anything session with Tim. And next week on the podcast, we'll be covering things like how to convince executive management that MOC is needed, how to implement management systems when the money's not there, we'll talk about fugitive dust and housekeeping systems, and other topics all around this idea and concept of management systems from FPA 68 or 6652, Chapter 8. And with that, let's get into this session with Tim Hennix. So in today's Ask Me Anything session, we are covering NFPA 652 Chapter 8 on management systems. This is Chapter 8 in the 2019 uh, version of NFPA 652. It used to be Chapter 9, just to make things confusing. But we're covering these management systems. We have on Tim Hennix, Director of Engineering Services at Duscon Solutions, based out of West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, Tim specializes in combustible hazards and NFPA compliance. Um, dust hazard analysis, dust testing services, and consulting related to fire and explosion protection. We've had him on the Dust Safety Science Podcast before talking about explosion protection and NFPA 69, I believe. Uh, we recently had Bob Petrochko on talking about management changing combustible dust handling operations in episode 93 of the podcast, and he's with DustCon as well. Through that interview, talking about MOC, management of change, and through talking with Tim behind the scenes, we really identified that management systems, and we're going to get into what is a management system in a moment, but the management systems are a, a challenge when doing a dust hazard analysis, 
when assessing the hazards at your site. And they're something that can sometimes be put on the back burner. So we wanted to get this session here today so we could actually address that, highlight it as important, but uh, also get your questions answered on it as well. I see questions coming in already on the Q&A widget. So keep those coming and we will uh, make sure to get those answered in this session. Okay, I will go through and highlight chapter eight in NFPA 652 on management systems has a whole bunch of elements, subchapters, sections, if you will, in the three pages, including operation procedures, housekeeping, hot work, PPE, inspection and testing, training and hazard awareness, uh, emergency planning, incident investigation, management change, document retention, and management of management systems themselves. So that's the kind of field that we're playing in today with the question and answer. So anything, that's a lot of topics, but anything within that realm or anything that you want to pick Tim's brain about is, is uh, on limits, we'll call it for today. So I know I just went through the, you know, the elements, Tim, of everything that's the subsections, but just as a high level, the 30,000 foot view, can you just give us a summary of what what are management systems in FPA 652? How are they involved with combustible dust? And you know why, why should we care about this at all? Thanks, Chris. I wanna first thank, thank you for having me on uh, and talking about this important topic. So when, when we at DustCon do a dust hazard analysis, uh, we're really looking at a number of things, not just does your dust collector have the prescribed explosion venting. And one of the things that I often see missed when thinking about combustible dust is the management system side. And we think of a couple of different ways in which we can control hazards. There's engineering controls and there are administrative controls. Management systems uh, typically focus more on those administrative controls. And they're, the, they're the, the ways in which we ensure that the safety for combustible dust is maintained over time. Because what we don't want to happen is a dust hazard analysis is performed or a, a design is included and installed for combustible dust safety. And then three or five or 10 years down the road, uh, those safeguards that were, were planned for, designed, and implemented have been eroded away because they just weren't kept up. So really, Chapter 8 is talking about you know, here are the requirements for things like housekeeping, things like hot work permitting inspection and testing and preventative maintenance. It gives those uh, kinds of requirements to us, and it provides a framework for how we can, on an ongoing basis, ensure that they're working correctly. Yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Like the other, the other bucket that we don't talk about as much in the Dust Safety Academy, we talk about hazard identification, assessment, testing, fire explosion, prevention, protection, but there's all these human elements. There's all these time-based elements. There's um, human factors. And these are things that are addressed within the, the management system. Management systems is probably a better way to put it. And I want to talk about things that you see that are missing quite often. But before we talk about that, even taking a step back, do you see this as a piece that's missing in DHAs? I know, I know when your team does them, as we talk with other folks and yourself, that it's a you know, highlighted area. But we're seeing other DHA reports are sometimes the, the management systems even missing from that assessment, or is it generally accepted that those are included and addressed in a, in a DHA as well? I wouldn't say that it's overwhelmingly common that they're not addressed at all. Uh, normally, they, they are addressed in some form or fashion. Uh, what I do see, and uh, you know, for myself, I struggle with it a little sometimes just because you know, I come from an explosion protection 
design and sales background. So I'm really comfortable and familiar with things like explosion venting, suppression, isolation, you know, spark detection systems. You know, those are all engineering controls that I've got a ton of experience with. But you know, for me, uh, in you know, learning how to and then kind of finding my own way in performing DHAs, I found that I needed to kind of force myself to, to focus on these management systems because uh, they really are quite important, right? Like I said earlier in the, in the discussion, you, know, you can put all the engineering controls in place that you want, but if they're not maintained correctly or if the operators who are using them are not trained on what they are and why they're there, eventually they're going to probably not be as effective and, and they may not provide the safety level that we thought. So, I mean, it's really going to depend on who it is that's performing the DHA and whether or not they're familiar with and, uh, you know, adept to identifying whether or not the management controls are going to be being performed by, by the, uh, the end user. I think a, a really, you know, an easy one that most consultants or, or most in-house DHA leaders will identify is something like housekeeping because it's so quickly and easily identifiable. You see large dust accumulations, whether it be on the floor or overhead surfaces, those are you know, quickly identified by somebody who's got a keen eye for it. But uh, going that step further and asking questions about, you know, is this done as part of a written procedure? What kind of uh, auditing or inspection do you have in place so that uh, it's not just the operator's responsibility to clean up before and after their shift, but you've got supervisors involved who are coming out and making sure that those target accumulation levels are, are being achieved. You know, taking it that extra step to you know, ask for and deliver on uh, the verification is a really important part when we're going through uh, the management systems at, at these facilities. Yeah, and there's, there's kind of two pieces out. There was the piece about, is it included? So you need to have the awareness to include it and then also know what to include. And you mentioned everyone's skill set and expertise is going to be different. You come from a, uh, you know, a background in equipment sales, exposure protection um, and prevention. So that, that means, you know, you know, you know, a lot of things, but you know, some things very well and, and maybe some other things even less. Well, I'm not trying to put down anything that, uh, yeah. that you don't know, but it's important to frame that that way. And I, the thing that I want to, the point I want to make is if you're a, on this and you're an operator facility owner, or you're working with a company, even um, external contracting, it's doing your DHAs. It's worth asking how is chapter eight on management systems addressed within the process they use for DHAs and seeing what that response is and starting to gauge what that level of, you know, what that level of, of information is. They say, what's a, you know, what's a management system. Then you, you, you might know that you need to, to dive in a little bit deeper on that. And then the second piece is really like the, the you know, why it's important but also then some of the more technical aspects. So I want, to, I want to dive into some of those. In your experience, you know, what kind of elements from the, the entire suite of management systems are, are deficient or missing often that you see? Like if you had to pick the, the you know, 20-80, the 20% that gives you the biggest 80% of the results, what things are, are we looking to really address right away with the management systems? So the, the thing that I see as, as either missing or, or maybe just not addressed um, adequately in, in most cases is going to be management and change. Very, very many of the, the clients that we have uh, do not have a management and change system in place. Look at it's funny and may not understand what 
what the you know, management management of change process is. When we dive in a little bit deeper with them, they may have some type of change management process within their organization, but it's rarely focused on combustible dust. And the reason for that is that uh, you know usually that process is driven by quality uh, and not usually as much for safety. So, for example, if we're going to change the type of uh, grinder that we're using uh, from maybe a, a hammer mill to a gap mill or something like that, uh, the question immediately comes up, well, how is this going to change the, the product that we're producing? But, uh, you know, not always as often uh, that second question get at, gets asked, how does this impact the safety of the facility? And, you know, you can think of very simple examples of changes that can be made like uh, adding an additional uh, branch of ductwork to an existing duct line where, you know, the entire change management process could be that the maintenance department uh, just says, all right, we need to have additional flow. Uh, we've, we've got a hookup that we can put a flexible hose in there. Let's make the connection and, and go. But uh, that information may never make its way back to somebody in, in safety or engineering who might say, hold up, time out. We need to make sure we've got proper airflow through our dust collection system. So, you know, management change is a big one. Uh, the other one that is very much lacking and, and needs improvement is uh, training systems uh, related to combustible dust, right? Uh, it may be the case that only engineering or only safety uh, has a firm grasp of uh, the combustible dust hazards at a facility and the frontline operators or uh, maintenance people uh, really don't have as good of understanding. You know, we're not talking about making everybody experts here. But, uh, you know, it's vitally important that uh, those operators who are dealing with the material understand what combustible dust is and what hazards it might present so that they can be the first ones to identify when something's wrong or, uh, you know, uh, take, pre take preventative action when they see what might be an ignition source that's present. And then, you know, doubling up on that, uh, even more so, you know, when you bring contractors on site, uh, it's important for them to understand what the, the hazards of combustible dust are, and it's incumbent on the, the owner operator of the facility to ensure that they have that knowledge and what the specific hazards are for the area that contractors can be working in. Yeah, so we really identified three areas here, management change systems, we'll say internal training, so training of your own employees and then training of contractors that come on site. I'd be curious from those that are tuning in the audience, um, you put in the chat or the Q&A, are you having challenges in these areas? And if so, what challenges? Or maybe it's a different management system that you're having a challenge with. And for Tim, I'll, I'll kind of pose the question of, you know, you, you come in, you convince, you convinced the health safety manager that management change is an important thing to, to initiate, track, and, and make a recommendation and follow, updation, follow recommendations to completion. Sold. But I don't have, I, we have no system in place for doing that. Or it's a very informal system of, you know, just kind of word of mouth. Uh, what what kind of steps should they take? I think we can mimic this across all of our management systems. So I think MOC is a good one. But what kind of steps would they take to start that process of putting MOC process in place? And then, you know, hopefully we can also apply that to other management systems. But just starting with MOC, where do you where do you go if you don't have anything today or or very limited? So, uh, you know, if somebody's particular in, particularly interested in this topic, I very much encourage them to listen to the podcast that you did with Bob Petrochko because uh, he did a pretty good job explaining this. I think he also wrote a white paper on this topic as well. But 
when it comes to management of change, you, know, you want to get something out there and in terms of a written uh, documentation process. Uh, because just having an informal gathering that everybody talks in the morning, let's, let's say you've got a, uh, a production meeting every morning at 7 a.m. And that's the place for a small operation that changes are discussed, you know, discussion is had about it, and then we all come to consensus and we move forward from there. Uh, that kind of captures the spirit of what management of change is. It's getting those parties who are involved with the change, um, you know, everything from engineering to safety to maintenance, uh, plant management and operations, you know, all of those functions have a vital role to play in the management of change process because everybody has their own expertise and, and sees things from a different viewpoint. But if we're not documenting it, if management of change is only done verbally and we go back later and try to identify uh, maybe the rationale for a change or was it was a specific uh, hazard uh, thought about? Uh, was there safeguards that were supposed to be put in place, and then were they followed up and put in place? You know, those are the kinds of things that, especially in plants that have high turnover, which is I know for larger organizations, uh, the the local EHS person you know, can have a pretty high turnover rate. Now, for them to try to go back over time, you know, maybe maybe it's three years, maybe it's ten years, maybe it's 25 years. But to go back and try to figure out the basis for safety, it's really important to have that documented and retained, which is one of the reasons that documentation is, it finds itself its own little subsection within chapter eight, because, you know, retention and uh, retaining and maintaining documentation, especially related to MOC, is crucial for, for making decisions in the future. And I, I, I grabbed the uh, interview with Bob. I'll put this in the chat here. Um, you can open it up in a separate page. Don't start listening to it now because you won't be able to hear us. <laughs> but uh, you can have it there for later. Um, and if you're listening to the replay of this, then we'll put the resource down below. You can get that interview. He basically walks through a step-by-step process of how to get started in a management change process. We did have a good question come in. It was right along the lines where, with where you left off, Tim. The person who submitted the question says that several of their clients um, say that they have an MOC process, but they don't have documentation, uh, which is sort of the challenge you're just identifying. There's, there's reasons why that doesn't help then. Three years later, you want to go back and look at the basis of safety. If it's not documented, then, then you won't have that ability. The question is, you know, what should the written content of an MOC program, what are some elements that should be included in that? It's a, an excellent question. I appreciate the submission. So, Within the uh, the MOC process, you're going to need a couple of things. Number one is procedure itself, which outlines uh, what constitutes a change, uh, when the MOC process uh, should be triggered, uh, who it is that needs to be involved, and then a procedure for how to get the uh, the details of that change, the rationale for that change, the potential impact for that change into the hands of those people who need to kind of, you know, answer some questions uh, for themselves and for the organization about will there be impact? So from a a safety manager's point of view, that person should be answering questions like, you know, will this, you know, generate a combustible dust? Yes or no. Uh, If this does generate a combustible dust, uh, is there sufficient, uh, you know, dust, you know, dust aspiration in place to prevent uh, the, the escape and the accumulation of fugitive dust? Uh, is there explosion protection that is needed? Is there 
uh, training that needs to be performed uh, for operators in the area? Is there uh, changes to the electrical classification that might occur? One of the things that, so there, there's a couple of ways I've seen this done. I've seen it done uh, in my experience uh, with a very large organization, a large chemical company, where we had like a very sophisticated uh, access database that this whole MOC process was done through. And it automatically generated these questions and it sent them out to different uh, stakeholders in the project. project and it was their responsibility to uh, complete the tasks associated with that MOC uh, prior to implementation of whatever that change would be. Uh, but I've also seen it done on a, a, a much smaller scale. Uh, maybe you've got a, a site where it's just one organization, you know, one, one site within the, the organization. Maybe it's 50 to 100 people working there. And it can be done, uh, you know, through a paper routing. You know, that MOC uh, documentation that was created through the procedure writing uh, can be routed through engineering, plant management, uh, safety, uh, maintenance. Everybody signs off that they've uh, understood, uh, reviewed the, the questions related to the change and that they're comfortable with it. And then you move forward from there. And again, that, that interview with Bob Petrochko will be helpful for um, you know, giving some more uh, groundwork in that white paper you'll find a link to it at that, the interview on the site there. Um, we'll try to pull that out for a resource for this session as well. Have you seen the case, I got this question actually before, submitted before we had the session, but have you seen the case where a company brings in someone to um, help them get their MOC program up and running, or even they're working with a consultant like yourself and there's a, um, you know, a period of time where the consulting will come in because they have more experience you know, across a broad swath of companies to help them get their management systems up and running or even, you know, takes over part of that role. Or I'm just trying to think of how else we can get uh, operators uh, and owners help with their, their systems. Yeah, actually, you know, this is a, this is a service that has long been offered uh, within the PHA realm, uh, the process hazard analysis realm where, uh, you know, PSM consultants will come in to assist sites, uh, you know, get their, their management systems in line. And we've started to see a, a demand from our clients you know, after a DHA report has been uh, completed, uh, the report has been delivered, and uh, that site may not have uh, the expandable resources to take on a number of different required improvements to either their engineering controls or their management systems. And you know, what we've done is we've worked with a couple of our clients to uh, provide kind of a, you know, access to our consultants either on an hourly basis or on an annual basis for us to help them get it up and running, maybe write some of the procedures or uh, programs that they need uh, written, uh, audit those systems that have been imp implemented, and, and help to coach up some of the uh, the stakeholders uh, within the combustible dust management systems uh, that may not have the experience. Uh, there's nobody within the organization that can provide that. And so by bringing in somebody who's, who's got some of that knowledge and experience, uh, we can help get that client to the point where their organization you know, now has the expertise and can go running from it. It's almost like a kickstart where they can kind of uh, get going. And, and once it's in place, uh, maybe they feel more comfortable having a third party come in and do audits for them. Uh, but maybe you just need to get, you know, some of those initial documents written, some of that initial training performed, 
uh, make sure that you know your your grizzly old maintenance manager who's been doing it one way for all these years uh, is kind of coached up in the correct direction. And from there, maybe they they don't even need our help anymore. But uh, it is something that we've seen uh, you know uh, a demand, a pretty small demand for, but but growing. Yeah, and I mean, if it's getting more Saver Systems put in place, then I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> Because it is, again, it's the big hump, right? From nothing to something. We probably have a, a number of engineers on here. So if you think of uh, you know, friction, the starting friction is always higher than the, the moving friction or active activation energy or whichever way you want to look at it. I think Tim's a chemical yeah. engineer, right? So you're more of an activation energy guy than a friction guy. Activation energy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the better, better reference for that. So yeah, go ahead and keep putting any challenges that you're having. If you want to switch over to a different type of management system, because there are I lost count, at least 42 listed in NFPA 6. No, not that many, but there is a lot. We can definitely transfer to, to one of those. But I get two questions quite a bit that we have sort of questions around here. One's on money and one's on getting buy-in. So I think we'll do the buy-in part first. So we're going to cut that session off there. Sorry if it's sort of a, it seemed like a cliffhanger there at the end. Um, we're going to be talking next week on the podcast. We're going to be starting with that question of, how to convince executive management that an MOC process is needed or other management systems um, and talking about the implementation of management systems when the money's not there. So stay tuned. That's where we're going to be picking up where we left off for this Ask Me Anything session with Tim. In next week's session, we're going to be covering things like fugitive dust and housekeeping systems, what is considered a change in MOC program, and how to make housekeeping more likely to occur. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. And I appreciate everything you're doing in industries handling combustible dust, making them safer every day out there. Mm-hmm.